This is Kyle Montgomery. You don't know how good it is to hear your voice again, Kyle. Who is this? Well, don't you recognize my voice? No. Shame on you. It hasn't been that long, has it? Well, it's me. Susan. Susan who? Susan, your lovely wife. My wife is dead. She died in an accident a little over a month ago. So you say. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about uh, Dealer's Choice um, and and the devil uh, wearing a very, um, very uh, dad sweater. I just realized that in hindsight after posting some of the images that we had from the episode. Just a very comfy dad sweater. It, it's probably the most dressed down that the devil has ever been. Yeah, because it's casual Friday, going to go play some poker, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, welcome to Straight Highways. This is uh, the anthology Twilight Zone show, or I should say it's, it's a show that we watch the Twilight Zone, but we also do anthology. We have covered the original series, uh, seasons one through five. Go back, check that out. We've covered the Paramount Plus. Jordan Peele produced two seasons as well, and we're going now into the 80s rendition of the Twilight Zone. Uh, real quick, though, I, just, I realized um, just from looking at social media um, that uh, a little behind the scenes people I, I know we release these episodes on Fridays but we tend to record them before that because it'd be really weird to release an episode at, before we recorded it that'd be weird but uh, we record these normally on Tuesdays right so as of this recording on June 28th um, it turns out this is the 47th uh, anniversary unfortunately of the passing of Rod Serling so, um, and, and so just want to mention that because, um, Ann Serling wrote a book called as I knew him, the daughter of Rod Serling. And, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I, I listened to it on, um, audible. So, and she actually did the, the narration for it. Um, and so this is what she wrote here. Uh, my father left behind countless friends that summer day at 75 when the sky was too bright and the sun scalding, he could not have known the sheer devastation. So many would feel when they heard the news of his passing, something was extinguished in all of us that June day, something quite, uh, uh, intimate. Uh, inimitable, inimitable, uh, Um I hear I am messing it up and irreplaceable vanish. So something quite word. I can't say quite right. Um, yeah, here I was reading something really nice and then I completely just fell on my keys and just fell in the ditch. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, just, we got to rep, we got to remember like, not, we wouldn't be doing this without Rod Serling. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and, as much as I stumbled over my words there. Yeah. And unfortunately there is, uh, we are not able to make it, but, uh, around right now, I think it's actually this weekend, there is a festival for, uh, for Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone over in New York. Nice. I've, I've been wanting to try to make it. Um, they had to cancel it because of COVID, I believe, the last two years. But 
you know, it's it's a big celebration of him and his work and what he did for you know, I mean, you know, uh, the, the the media in general. Yeah, for and, TV and storytelling and you know, uh, science fiction and you know, fantasy and horror. Yeah. So I just thought that'd be worthy of mentioning, even though I can't say words good. Um, so because I know normally when it comes to like big milestones for the Twilight Zone in terms of like history of. I always forget until it comes like after <laughs> like it's easy to remember Sterling's birthday. Cause it's December 25th, you know, but, uh, but yeah, just seeing this pop up. Cause I do follow, uh, and Sterling on, um, social media on Facebook. And she usually has some really, um, good quotes from her dad, uh, pertaining to relevant things going on in the world, you know, cause he had a lot to say, uh, politically at things too. So, uh, but yeah, again, I check out that book as I knew him. Uh, so I wanted to mention that. And, um, and the, there's also going to be some other, uh, tie-ins to the original series when we get into a little bit more about dead woman shoes. So, um, with that being said, let's get into it. It is season one of the, of the 80 series, episode nine, a segment, a dead woman shoes air date, 11, 85 number one song. One of Terry's favorites. We built this city by starship. It's a fun song. I, you know, I, I do like, uh, a couple of other songs more than them, but it's always fun. I always seem to be driving around the, the, the dumpy parts of Cleveland or some other city. And then all of a sudden this song comes on. It's like, well, this is fun. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, it's like the soundtrack music comes on. It's like, we built this city. And it's like, Oh no. And you see like a hobo on fire. And you're like, Oh no, you know, like just, okay. Yeah, we did. We did, you know, boarded like, up houses. And there's, that. There, like, there's raccoons just forming, um, you know, armed gangs in the street. You're like, yep, we did. Yeah, we did this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so a uh, number one film is King Solomon's minds, uh, which is a, a Canon release that had, uh, was Richard Chamberlain in a role of, um, Oh, that's shit. What's his name? Um, Alan Quartermain. Um, it's not great because it's there. They're chasing the Indiana Jones money, but Richard Chamberlain is so charming in the movie that it's kind of hard not to have some fun with it. Cause he knows exactly what movie he's in and he's just like chewing up the scenery. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, James Earl Jones is in it too. Uh, and you know, it's a, it's not great, but it's still a lot of fun. It's, and then they made a sequel. I'll, it was like the lost city of gold or something. That's absolutely terrible, but he's still having fun with that too. Isn't Elvira in that? Uh, I don't, I don't I th- think so. I think Elvira is like the villain in that one or whatever, but uh, this is, I mean, this being a Canon film, this being their last movie of the year. And they had a good year that year. I, I mean, cause you had, you had uh, invasion USA, you had death wish three and, and in the King Solomon's minds. It's so, like, they they did well at the end of the year well, here. Well, kind of, sort of. Like, um, sure, they might have had that the this like a little bit of like influxes, but they were so overextended at this point that they were like had so many projects in the fire, and they kept trying to sell things before they existed. Like, there was a lot of um, there's a lot of shell game things going on with Canada at the time. So that like Invasion USA actually made a, like a lot more money than anybody was expecting um, for what it was. Right. So. Um, Canon, if they would have actually just stuck and like maybe not tried to make every movie all the time and then pay uh, Chuck Norris and and um, Chuck Bronson like you know a gazillion dollars per movie and, and Sylvester Stallone, oh. don't forget too, because yeah. over the top and then um, he did Cobra for well, them as well. Cobra, right? like it's one of those weird ones where it has a Canon association with it. However, I think it was like Universal or Paramount. They're the ones that actually got the movie. Like they're they're the ones most responsible for it. Oh, so they it just was it was a, it to them. Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing where they're like, "Can's like, can we still have our name attached to it?" They're like, 
fine. Or MGM. I think it was MGM. There was a weird deal where MGM at first they're like, we'll sign up with Canon and we'll make things good. And then they're like, Oh no, what did we do? Like, you know, so, (laughs) so Cobra is technically a Canon film, but not really in the way, like, I don't think, um, I don't think it was produced under the Canon, you know, in terms of them being the ones in charge of it. Mm, But, okay. But, um, they they did bring a boatload of money up to um, Stallone and was like, hey, over the top. He's like, I'm not interested. They're like, what about this? What about this? I think he got paid like $9 million at the time to make that movie, which was like unheard of. And eventually you're like, yeah, I, I like, how could I not just get money, you know, to do this? So anyway, that's your mini canon uh, lesson for the day. Like, <laughs> welcome, yeah. welcome to the mini canon uh, uh, episode of Strange Highways. Yeah, so, yeah. Until yeah. until next episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so uh, so what I have here for day and date stuff that went on around uh, November twenty second, November twentieth, Microsoft Corporation releases the first international release of Windows one point And we're so thankful, right? Um, just whatever. And it's never going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> because that's always the complaint when they bring out the new Windows. It's like, Ugh. but the last one was so much better. Let's just roll back to one right? Let's go back to the classics. Why not, right? You see everybody that does that thing where it's like, yeah, I just, I just, you know, I just feel like vinyl is the best sound. And I just listen to all my stuff on vinyl. Like that's fair, right? But it's like no one's ever like, you know. I do my best computing in Windows 1.0. I just, I just got to stay back. Got to keep it original. You know. <laughs> I mean, some companies still do things in DOS, but you know, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, other bit of news I had here. It's just, uh, just it. Um, speaking of Canon, and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. Uh, November 23rd, Egypt Air Flight 648 uh, was hijacked by the Abu Nidal group from uh, that and was flown to Malta, where uh, Egyptian commandos stormed the plane. 60 are killed by gunfire and explosions. Uh, plane hijackings used to be regular, like regular occurrences at the 60s, 70s, early 80s. Cause a lot of it was like, um, we'll just pay them. And like, you know, it's easy. It's better to keep people safe. And like, there's a lot of like, like it was kind of like, there was a lot of like hands off to a lot of it, but like things like this started happening where people were dying. And so things, things started changing. And when I mentioned Canon, because the Delta force deals with the hijacking that I think might've even been inspired by this, um, in terms of like news of the day, you know? And I actually didn't, you know, like I grew up in the 80s and I, I remember seeing Delta Force and I didn't know that it was that like big of a problem back then. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was just like, well, here's the movie of the week plot. And like, it, it's very like in the sense of like what pirates would do way back in the day, like take uh, take the people off of a ship, hold it for ransom. And then here you or, go. Here's, your or, here's where we want to go. We're out of here. We're not going to hurt anybody type of thing. Like, right. there, yeah, there's a whole thing. Like I, there's a two part episode on the, the podcast I've re- referenced here before called behind the bastards that talked about like the history of, of hijackings and how like they got more and more aggressive and weird. Like, but you know, it, either way, going up to somebody and be like, I'm taking over your plane. And then, you know, that's not good. Right. And then also having, this is all a mess. And it was, a. I just remember, I don't remember at the time, but I know it was a, it was a really big deal. Like this was, this was, um, very upsetting. And it, it, I think I did believe, I do believe it led to some changes the way that kind of stuff is handled. So there you go. That's your day and date. We got, um, we got starship, <laughs> we got King Solomon's mines, uh, we got windows and we got, you know, some other, uh, sad news. So there we go. That's, that is what was going on around the time that dead woman shoes uh, came on. Should the we just turn it off now? Cause I think that we hit the trifecta of what we would. Yeah. We've already hit. talked about Sterling passing. So I think we're good. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> so. Yep. Everybody. All right, everybody. Good night. Um, <laughs> oh. all right, everybody, see you later. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into who did what here. All right. So for our director here, we have a uh, Peter medic 
Uh, we had just talked about him during Ye Gods, mm-hmm. uh, that the, segment. He has five more to go. Yeah, yeah, so we'll talk about him soon again. But if you want to get a little bit more in-depth uh, discussion about that, go ahead and check out that episode. Uh, and then so our right around here uh, for the story, i got Charles Balmont. Uh, that name might sound familiar to any of our listeners that uh, probably in, uh, really were interested in the original series. 22 episodes of the original Twilight Zone series was written by this gentleman. Yeah. So, um, well, well, okay. This is a teleplay written by Lynn Baker. Um, we have talked about her recently because uh, she wrote Little Boy Lost. This will be like the, her second of two segments for the series. Uh, so, yeah, this is based upon the story of Dead Man's Shoes that was written by Charles Beaumont, and that's not entirely true. Um, so, I got so weirdly, like, talk, that's why I was like, this is going to have some tiebacks to the original series right. this episode. So, um, I used to sound a lot smarter when we covered the original series because I had like three reference books. I get to bust one of them out again. I, I'm like, so, I'm just like, oh, thank goodness. I, so I feel smart again. Then I completely butchered uh, uh, Answerling's uh, quote. So, then I'm like, well, back down to earth. So anyway, so the twilight zone unlocking the door to a television classic by Martin Graham's jr is an amazing book. If you guys want all things original series, twilight zone, it's so well researched and really, really interesting. So in regards to dead man shoes, um, there was a contract that Beaumont had with Buck Houghton uh, uh, and uh, CBS to write like five scripts or whatever at the time for the season. And um, there was a couple other uh, potential scripts that were like in works, but just kind of kept falling apart. This story um, was originally that was pitched to, uh, to Buck Houghton uh, involved a hat instead of shoes. Uh, so it, it kind of kept moving around, moving around in terms of like, you know, what was going to go on with it. But uh, it was based upon a pitch that Beaumont threw to Buck Houghton and Houghton's like, sure, we trust you get it done. Right. But this was never written by Beaumont. It was written by OC rich who had written the teleplay based upon what Beaumont told him. Cause Beaumont was really busy writing all sorts of stuff. And this was before we talked about like, I mean, who knows that like he suffered a really, uh, degenerative condition quickly, um, going into like seasons four and five, and this may have already been at that point where he was having like cognitive issues and was trying to get a lot of work done, you know, in terms of like kind of riding off of um, his, his abilities to deliver stories, but he'd also like loop other people in to write for him. So um, yeah, it was, it, Beaumont had the synopsis pitched to Houghton and then OC rich actually wrote the script. Uh, so in a way it's like, this is a teleplay that's kind of an adaptation of uh, an adaptation of an idea that was once about a hat. Like, <laughs> I, I'm glad the hat thing didn't go through because then if it was the hat, then I would have felt the entire time that I'm like, is this Frosty to Snowman? Is this how this plot worked out? Yeah. Frosty, you know, he there's going to be hell to pay. Happy birthday. He goes after Heat Miser. He's like, I know what you did to me. Right. You son of a Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought that would just be us just trying to like find a way to tie not tie it back together because this is anytime that you get to reference Charles Beaumont, he is one of the pillars of the original series. And he has some amazing episodes that he did write outright that we we've talked about here on the show, please check those out and please check out those discussions that we had about him. Cause we can't, I mean, we, we just 
gush over his uh, writing. Yeah, I mean, like I think the last one we covered in season five that was based upon one of the short stories that he didn't write the teleplay, but it was uh, number 12, Just Looks Like You. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. But even like, oh, The Howling Man from season two, is a you know a favorite of the series. I think he also did Long Live Walter Jameson. I could I could yep. yeah. And it's like he in his he, image he yeah. covered in season four, I believe it yeah, was. His or- um he he and Matheson were kind of like two sides of a type of scale where Beaumont would just get weird and get into more of the dark side of things. And Matheson was more like sci-fi, but like more um um, not not analytical, but like they complement each other well. With Serling also kind of overseeing everything, and then George Clayton Johnson also providing a great deal of stuff. Um, and then there's another writer I don't want to mention that. Yeah, wrote some- we don't have to. <laughs> just don't do it, man. Don't uh, even bring it up. Uh, yeah, I just you know that cat was you a know witch. whatever. Anyway, so no. so yeah, let's that's that's what we're getting into. I um and also this is I mean I don't know how many direct. Not, I don't know how many direct episodes in the series that we get are going to be either remakes or callbacks to the original series. So it's kind of nice also to get one of those every so often just to see like, oh, how did how did they change it going into the eighties versus what was originally there? So which you know. I mean I, I I think it's fascinating, and we'll get into those differences here in a little yeah. bit. But so our cast uh, starts off with uh, Helen Mirren. Uh, she plays Maddie Duncan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in. Uh, Red, the the movie Red with uh, uh, Morgan Freeman. That's I, right. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. in the first and the second one. Never seen it. It looks awesome. It looks like like if you like Con Air and stuff like that, action pack. A lot of like, people said Red's actually pretty solid. They said the sequel's a little not great, but I, I, I've not seen it. You know, it's like yeah. pop, popcorn fo- films. Like, yeah. check it out. You know, I'll, I'll, I've, it's been on my list. But uh, she was also more recently in the Hitchcock uh, biopic where she plays... Uh, Alma. Alma. Which I need to sit down and watch that. That was like it's set during the making of Psycho. So I kind of want to, like, I, I know uh, Hopkins plays. Yep, Anthony yeah, Hopkins. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then the other credit I wanted to bring up here was uh, she was in Teaching Mrs. Tinkle. So that was the first film that I've ever seen her in. And I think, honestly, at this point now, looking through her filmography, that might be the only thing I've ever seen her really? in other than this. Ellen Mirren's in everything. She, I mean, you know, like there's the whole Caligula thing, too. So go back and look at that. It's, it's just, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so, um, yeah, uh, so I got a little bit about history for her i just want to mention because it's just like how weirdly positioned she is in terms of who she is uh her mother uh kathleen uh alexandriana um eva matilda uh was a working class woman from west ham the 13th of 14 children born to a butcher whose own father was the butcher to the queen victoria so like weird that there's that lineage like oh you know you know your your grandfather your great grandfather used to be the direct butcher to the queen right and then her father is Vasily uh, Petrovich Miranov was a member of an exiled family of Russian nobility he was taken to England when he uh, he was two by his father uh, and they owned a family estate near whatever so like he was a Russian aristocracy so it's like she has like this weird lineage of like working class but like close to royalty and then also nobility. I just, I don't know. There's like, all right, cool. Like I just, uh, sure. You know, you can't control who your ancestors are, but that's, that's interesting. But yeah, she's been in everything. Um, I, I think she's a delight. Um, she was, she was, she got an Oscar nomination for the queen. Um, if I remember correctly, it's just that she's everything she's always been in. It's always been great to see her. And, um, like, and just, if you go back and like, look at like her, you know, for like the late sixties, early seventies, and not that she's still not like, 
a gorgeously attractive woman in her age now, but she is a knockout. Like just my God, like how is she not an every other thing ever made, you know, but I love Helen Mirren. And she's also just really, you ever watch her interviews? She's just like the greatest person in the world. So it's nice right. to see her in this. Cool. Cool. So, and then, so next year we have uh, cause we have a lot of cast members, yeah. so, sadly, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So Jeffrey T- uh, Tabor, Tambor, sorry. Uh, he plays uh, uh, Kyle, uh, Montgomery. He's in one more uh, segment that will be coming up uh, later, and we'll talk about that then. But he was also in uh, Saturday the 14th. Uh, he was in Mr. Mom, which I absolutely love Mr. Mom, but just was re- recently watching it. And then, again, we bring up the teaching Mrs. Tinkle. He was in that as well. Oh, I was, I was going to mention, um, again, he's one of those guys that's in everything. Very recognizable. Oh, um, yeah. Those eyebrows, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is, uh, this is the first of two segments he's going to be in for the series. He, um, For me, he's going to be George Bluth Sr. on Arrested Development. Like, I just, I love that show. Uh, he was in Hellboy, um, both Hellboy movies. Yeah. Well, for, of, of the three. He yeah, was in the I first two. Completely forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, 89 episodes of Larry Sanders show. Um, like very, uh, I just, his, his comedic timing is really, really good. Um, it's just that finding out delivery style that uh, is very unique. Yes. And, um, just finding out that later he has like some, um, issues on set that have kind of, you know, been revealed later on. You're like, Oh, it's like one of those things where like, I don't want to have to think like, mm-hmm. like, cause there was a whole thing where he, uh, like, um, a, like verbally abused a Jessica Walters, uh, who was his wife, the character of the wife on, um, on Arrested development. And it's mm-hmm. like, and she's like, I've worked with him for years. He had like, you know, she's like, I would work with him again in a heartbeat, but it's like, you just, you just know that it's like, he was one of those guys that would like snap and you're like, oh, that's, that's not a, that's like, a bummer. You know, yeah. But just in terms of his on screen work, I, you know, I, I have always enjoyed everything I've seen him in. I think this is the only time I've ever seen him with facial hair. Like he looks good in a beard. I don't know why he got rid of that look. Maybe yeah. it just opened the door for more. Well, more I mean, maybe because he didn't want the police looking him at him for. You know, oh, you know. yeah. So we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then next year is uh, Teresa Sal uh, Sal Anna? Uh, Saldana Saldana Saldana. Yeah. She plays Inas. Right, uh, Inez. Inez. Yeah. <laughs> she plays Edith. She's the sheriff's deputy on Dukes of Hazard. She plays <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> I know. No, she's Inez. Me not yeah. read good. So yeah. I, well, clearly I don't either. Welcome everybody to the show. If you have a bingo card or just taking a drink, um, good I'll, luck. I'll take a drink. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, she was in uh, Raging Bull. Uh, she was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, and in ninety-two episodes of The Commish. I'm yeah, not Mike, sure what that Michael is. Michael Chiklis. Um, yeah, I, I do remember when this was on. I never watched it. Um, but oh, another like cop show. Kinda. He was a commissioner, so okay. yeah, like it kind. Yeah, it's a cop show. But so here's this this um, the, welcome to also the one of the darker episodes of uh, Strange Highways. On Monday, March fifteenth, in eighty-two, Saldana was stalked by Arthur Richard Jackson, a forty-six-year-old uh, drifter from Aberdeen, Scotland. Jackson became obsessed with Saldana after seeing her in uh, Raging Bull. He hired a private investigator who obtained the unlisted phone number uh, of her mother. Jackson then called Saldana's mother and posed to Scorsese's assistant, saying he needed Saldana's residential address in order to contact her for replacing an actress in a film role in Europe. Jackson approached Saldana and her at her residence in broad daylight, attacked her with a five and an inch half cut hunting knife, puncturing her lung. His attack was so fierce that the blade bent. Um, although there were nearby onlookers, including children, the attack was interrupted only when a delivery man intervened and, um, hearing her cries rushed from the second floor of an apartment building and incapacitated Jackson. 
Uh, following the assault, Saldana was hospitalized for, for, with 10 stab wounds, underwent a four-month hospital stay. Uh, she actually ended up making a made-for-TV movie about it because she became like a victim uh, advocacy for victims, right? So that's, you know, that's terrible, but and she was an advocate for it. Scary. Um, so... <laughs> Jackson's method of finding and approaching Saldana inspired a stalker, Robert John Bardo, to hire a private investigator to contract, uh, contact Rebecca Schaefer, a young TV sitcom star who he subsequently murdered. So if you, you, don't, you may not remember this, she was on a, sister, sorry, a show called My Sister Sam that was starting to take off. And like this stalking unfortunately led to another stalking and an actual murder of another actress. Like it is, I just, I, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to like, you know, glorify it. Just, it's just one, you know, we do these backgrounds of the people, but it's like, this is just one of those things where it's like, you get attacked to the point where a hunting knife bends in you and nobody reacts, you know, like what, like dear Lord, you know, like there is severely troubled people out there and man, God, I wish they would seek some help before they ever get to this point. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, hopefully, hopefully the rules are better now, right? But then in light of what this episode is of people just entering houses and doing things with her kind of, her just watching the distance, it's like, she's probably like, you know what? I'm good. You know, like whatever, you know, but, but yeah, it's um hell of a thing, man. Yeah, for real. Yeah. So the next here, um, after all of that, geez, uh, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to pick up the pieces, dude. It, it just gets worse from here. No, oh my god! So, right but now. yeah. So next here we have uh, Robert Pastorelli. Yeah, uh, he plays Man. Uh, this is the dude that's in the, the. He's the creepy dude, like the sleazy guy, right? Yes. Okay. So I kept referring to him as Fat Elvis in my. Uh, right. In, yeah. In my yeah. Notes, I was yeah. like a uh, uh, sleazy dude with Elvis vibes. Uh, yeah. He's. I was just waiting for him to kick a, a pop machine. You know, like <laughs> it's like whatever. But he was in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, he was in Eraser. And then Dances with Wolves. As soon as I started looking closer at his IMDb, I knew exactly who he was. Like, I was like, and I, and unfortunately, this gentleman has passed away, but I love his, like, character acting. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a sleazy dude in, like, everything he's in. Well, except for his, one of his main, main things that he was known for was he was in Murphy Brown, 158 episodes as Eldon, who was, like, the handyman painter of her house. And so he ended up becoming like, eventually becomes like um, the the babysitter for her child. Okay. It's like his character was kind of a, like a, like different, but also very appro- like just people love this character. And so yeah, like um, he you know had a you know his career was like you know an upward trajectory, but then his girlfriend died under mysterious circumstances that he got cleared of, but he was never the same after. And like he what he got really into drugs, like and then ended up like like overdosing like four years later, like oh, eraser is like one of his last things. So that's terrible. Yeah. Again, I, I, I promise I'm not going to be like, Oh, also by the way, every single person on here, something, no, it's just, uh, yeah. When you kind of just, yeah, not great yeah, either. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. next, uh, it's like to move it along, I guess. Uh, so Sasha Van Schirler, Schirler, mm-hmm. uh, she plays Ellen, uh, 15 credits. The biggest credit I found on here was, uh, a show called, uh, Love is many splendored <laughs> thing is a many splendored thing. Yeah, it's a really weird tire. Seven hundred and seventy five episodes of this. This was apparently uh, like there was a movie, and then this took off after that. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, yeah, I don't have much for her except I know that she um, was arrested for dogfighting. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> she was a really good friend with Michael Vick. Uh, I, just, I was just trying to think, like, what would be like, oh, by the way, I just want to just make this work. She actually, uh, she was suspected of setting fire to an orphanage. No, that's what happened. <laughs> uh, uh, is she from Canada? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, anyways, um, so next here we have Hardy Rawls uh, plays Hyatt. Uh, see No Evil. Mm-hmm. Hear No Evil, which is a great uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, Gene film. Wilder. Yeah. yeah, love it. It's great. Lots of fun. And then a uh, bunch of uh, episodes of Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yes, he was the father on uh, Pete and Pete. Hated that show. Really? Hated it. Oh, I just... It was it was a little it was a little past my time like my age like when it came out, but there's stuff in there that I saw that I absolutely thought was funny like how the one of them decided that if he kept riding west uh, during um, was the time changer something like about Halloween and the time change that he would have like he'd keep trick or treating active like it was this whole thing I just thought it was funny and Iggy Pop was the father of like like one of the girls on the show so it was funny seeing him show up and like this like this you know kids comedy but with like Iggy Pop there yeah. yeah. Well, I, um, like I, the only thing I really remember about it is the one kid had a tattoo of a mermaid and it danced or whatever. Yeah, the hell. that was it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but yeah, like the, so that that, that there's, he's that, and also uh, Hardy Rawls uh, was a Maytag man for a bit, like the Maytag like spokesman, you know, like the the, uh, the lonely repairman. I thought you were gonna say he was just gonna be the repair guy. Like he's like you know, and after this career of acting, and he's like, hey everybody, do you want the dad from Pete and Pete to come fix your washer? You know, like yeah, as long um, as it doesn't cost extra. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's like I'll tell you stories about the show while I would fix the washer. Uh, yeah, like, I'll uh, pay you. Actually, if you don't, yeah, but <laughs> no, but like you know, like they, they call the character Mister Lonely because like he doesn't have a job because their stuff like never breaks. That's the whole joke, right? So there's the lonely repairman. So he was a Maytag man for a bit. Okay, yeah. So then, uh, yeah, next year um, we have uh, Tyra Farrell um, plays Maid. She was in Exorcist Three, uh, Boys in the Hood, which is an incredible film, and then White Man Can't Jump. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, she went on to you know have a pretty pretty uh, interesting career in that sense that she took off and was in some very um, important films. Oh yeah, you know, or yeah. iconic films for sure. Yeah, uh, Poetic Justice was another one too. Yeah. So and then uh, next here we have Julie Dolan. She plays girl Beverly Hills Cop three. Uh, basketball as the beer barrel. Yes, I put a question mark by this <laughs> because there is the Milwaukee Beers mascot that runs right, on the I beer know, barrel, and I'm like I'm like if that's be. her. That's amazing. Like I'm she's so, like she's five two, so it's probably it's perfect. That's what it's yeah. what it is. That's amazing. That's like I love that. That's um, a credit, and it would be great if she was at some convention. I'd be like, can you please sign this picture of the beer barrel for me, please? And she has a career in dance too, so that's probably like, can you dance? Or like, of course I can. Or like, can you're you you're higher. Yeah. yeah, you can be I, a barrel. I just I will say that base, I I actually I like basketball a great deal. I think that movie's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's ridiculous, it, but it is a lot it, of fun. It, it, it punches above its weight in a lot of ways. <laughs> It's just a fun, great. It's just a, it's it's like you know, it's smart, dumb in a lot of yeah. ways too. And it's like I, I love basketball, but also I see that uh, she was on Conan O'Brien for a couple seasons and like various sketches, and she was the voice of Princess Leia and some of the animated Star Wars stuff and then some of the video games. Yeah, yeah so a, cool and a beer barrel. There we go. That's probably my favorite credit of all time. I, 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 um, know, I was like, dude, I have to make sure that I'm very specific about her role in this. I don't yes. want to just be like basketball. No. But um, so uh, she, uh, we got moving on here. We have Leslie Bega. Uh, she plays girl as well. Uh, she was in Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. So bring Cannon back. back, yeah. And so a uh, bunch of uh, head of the class, and then the the one film Lost and Ho- Lost Highway. And then next here we have Nan Visitor. Uh, plays Lori. 
173 episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah, she's Kira Neary. She's a very important Bajoran character on that. Uh, if you're going to be like, well, where was she in this, this episode? You saw her for a second as the secretary to Jeffrey Tambor. And she's like, uh, you need to answer the phone. Because I was like, where was she in this? I'm like, oh, there she is. You just see her on screen for like a second. Yeah. Right. And then she was also in Ted 2. And she was the mother. She was a, a mother of Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, the remake. Oh, okay. Um, so. Sweet. And then uh, next we have Lance uh, E. Nichols uh, plays Cabby. Uh, he was in the, the Night of the Demons remake, which is trash. Uh, he was in an episode of Amazing Stories and lots of other shows. So the time. he was in a movie that when I saw that this is back when I was working at Blockbuster. So, you know, uh, ask your parents, kids. Um there was there was a lot of direct video sequels to things that come out like uh you know whatever like whatever was being chased right uh the haunting in Connecticut which is an okay movie like it was okay I don't know if you remember that one or not I did not but I think Donald Sutherland, Sutherland I can't remember who's it? yeah it was it was okay right they did a direct video sequel which is one of the worst goddamn titles I've ever heard in my life <laughs> it is called the haunting in Connecticut two ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> crossing the state lines no it just it doesn't make any sense it's like the haunt it's like you would be like oh the haunting in connecticut too and then like maybe name a, a, a town in connecticut or you know or we're still here connecticut's not very big or you know uh haunting in connecticut too f this we're going to rhode island but like yeah. ghosts of they're nowhere near each other and also the first part of your title is a state and the second part of your title is a completely different state like, why couldn't you call it like, um, from the people that like, you know, the people that brought you hunting in Connecticut brings you ghosts of Georgia. It's like, really? God damn. It just, it, that, that one, when I, when I was putting it out on the shelf, I, it just made me mad. I probably had a, it just, just irate putting that shit on the shelf. Yeah. Like hunting yeah. in Connecticut too. Long distance haunting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like the haunting. I, I wanted there to be a sequel called the haunting in Connecticut two. sorry, haunting in Connecticut three ghosts of Georgia two. You know, um, Texarkana spirits of Louisiana, or just like something like just, <laughs> just keep, just keep adding, just keep adding numbers and adding states into it. You and know, br- like, brought to you by the Wayne's brothers. Sure, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to share that with everybody. That is one of the dumbest names for a film ever made. Right. So, and then the last credit here, uh, Pia Gronin mm-hmm. uh, plays Susan Montgomery. Uh, nine credits. Wasn't really familiar with most of it. So yeah, she was the the reflection that you saw for two seconds. Right. Uh, um, I think she's Scandinavian. There's if you look at a lot of her credits, like there's a lot of extra uh, letters and things that you'd maybe find at like an IKEA. Like there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> it's part of the catalog. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's the just skew. Like, yeah, there's like oh, I need a groning. It's it's just a mirror. But if you look into it, all you see is her face. You're like oh, okay. Anyway, um, so so yeah, that's that's who we got. Um, so yeah. Oh, and also you know what? I'm gonna in honor of. Uh, um, of what we just talked about in terms of the original episode, dead, dead man shoes. Uh, it would, I would not be uh, out of place. I need to mention here cause we, we mentioned him recently, uh, with our cast, um, uh, Robert McCord was in uh, dead man shoes. So I just want to mention uh series MVP, Robert McCord <laughs> was in that and he's not in this. I just wish, I wish like there had just been like a, like a brief, like, like a book on the table. Like, you know, my life and times, my many, my many faces by Robert McCord or something right. in the right. background. Other feet in the opening of sequence, Robert McCord. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it could have been, no, I mean, he was, I- he was a man in a car or something when they, anyway, so <laughs> yeah, it'd have been amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, let's just get into a uh, dead woman shoes. So, uh, Terry, take, take us away. 
Okay, so our opening here is really kind of unusual. We've never really seen anything like this before, but lots of feet moving around in a city, bustling. Uh, well, f- well, first we get uh, Inez ba- um, putting clothes away. Like, we're getting ready to take oh, clothes. Sorry, yeah, no, yeah. no, it's fair. I mean, because so she's like, you could tell something has happened. She talks to the dog, and then we get, um, uh, what was it, uh, Kyle coming in, and, yep. and like it looks like he's got done playing tennis, so he's so upset, you know, because his wife just died a month ago. But he's like, oh, the clothes are still here, and he's and she's like, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of them, and he's like, oh, just you know, it's so upsetting. Get a receipt, <laughs> you know, and the, the shoes in question that we see, like these black uh, heels, like yeah, these, they're the, like they're they're very. Uh, very much noticeable. They're on top of all the clothing mm-hmm. that's supposed to be taken off to the goodwill. They have a distinct, like, little diamond shape on, the, like, uh, you know, on top of them that you can see. You know, yeah. so yeah, they're not super fancy, but they're just like, like they're they're, they're good. They're, 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 yeah, they're yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 they're nice pumps. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not. A sh- I don't know women's shoes, so forgive me. Like, I don't. That's not. I'm not an authority. Terry might be. I don't know. Um, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> so then from there, that's when we get this uh, like really long. Um, well, for, for Twilight Zone, for TV, um, this tracking shot. A yeah, long tracking shot of just like from from the knee down of uh, pe- uh, people walking around on the street. But we're mostly focused on one woman walking through this crowd, bumping into people. People are calling her out. Hey, get out of the way, lady. Hey, hey move it, whatever. And the way that this person is moving around, they don't seem very comfortable. Maybe they, uh, they're they kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Like, they're from out of town. But we find out that, that this is our uh, main character, Maddie. And she works at a thrift store. And she's late to work again. And, you know, like, her, her boss is not... She's she's used to this behavior, so whatever. So Maddie starts getting ready. Uh, considering it's like, how many people are going to be employed at the thrift store, and how often is like, is that going to be the choice job where it's like, I could no, okay, fine, thank you for coming in, we appreciate it, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue, please. But she yeah. it, she's a very out of sorts lady, to put it. The best. Well, she seems like uncomfortable, uncomfortable, mousy, maybe mousy, like scared. Like you, then you talked about the tracking thing. It's like, like it, even if she's in the right of way from what you can see of the feet, people don't give her any space and they're just kind of running over her and that you, so, and she's that kind of like, you know, um, She's not a, like, I'm not going to be like, well, make yourself a victim. That's not what I'm saying by this. But you could tell like, like there's times where it's like, I, even for me, it's like, if I'm not comfortable where I'm at, you know, like you, you'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, even though it's not your fault or you'll try to like, like, like for me, like anytime I go to the grocery store and then people are being oblivious, I always acquiesce and try to get around because it's like, it just, uh, that's another thing, you know, but that, you know, whatever. I wish I could stop time like that one segment and, be, and just go grab the, the, the cereal I want and just leave, you know, <laughs> like as opposed yeah, to yeah, right. So the, the yeah, choco cocoa bombs or what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. So d- d- she, she might, Maddie might be uh, somebody who's new to town, whatever. And then it looks like it's a metro area, yeah. perhaps New York, whatever. And she's still getting comfortable with it and g- getting comfortable with the job and getting comfortable with dealing with people. Cause there is a segment that comes up here very briefly where there's a dude who looks like a Fonzie wannabe. Yeah. Well, before fat Elvis um, or fat, uh, fat, you know, Fonzie, 
um, we have the two girls that are in there that are just making fun oh, of all yeah, the clothes, yeah. right? And they're just like, you know, just giggling and laughing and whatever. And um, and the, the manager's like, go talk to them, see if they need help. And so Maddie goes over and is like, what well, can I help you? And they're like, just, you could tell they're they're ironically just to laugh at everything because it's a thrift store right and then then they kind of and she's like well you know like maggie's like you could try it on if you like and they're like you might help you in your love life whatever and they like they're just like you know they're this typical they're typical that's a typical retail experience of like oh thanks for coming in and making fun of everything and talking down to us yeah you have a good day (laughs) you know like it's just well i stick my flat up your ass like i'm just like i don't know I, that's why I'm thinking that Maddie is news to this job because I would have grown a thick skin real quick in this yeah. kind of atmosphere. Well, and then so that's when she goes to the back to unpack uh, the newest arrivals of the thrift store. That's when she finds the shoes and she's looking at them. She's going to go take them and put them out. And that's when she runs into Fat Tony. Um, that's I don't know why. Like I, now he's a Simpsons Bob boss. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's uh, right. I just do you ever you ever see the film Mystery Men at all? I don't. I, I have not seen uh, it all the way through, but the, I know that the some of the beats to the, it. Well, there's a bit where Eddie Izzard plays somebody named like was it disco tony and it's him and his disco boys or whatever it's like it wouldn't feel like too uh, far afield with that kind of but yeah like we get um sounds like a sega video game character like it, like yeah. these are the guys you run into in like street streets of rage yeah <laughs> i think yeah he's like he was like was it the, t- the, the the disco boys were tony there were two guys named tony one of them was eddie izzard it's that's a, it's a really silly bit but but yeah we get um basically like it's the it's the 1980s so but like what if this guy all he did was like you know what was a cool time be a greaser and just eating grease. I don't know. Like it's just. Well, he has like two buttons done of his yeah. shirt too. It's like so you can see <laughs> almost all the way down to his belly button. His collar is popped. It's like this dude is machismo wannabe all the way. Ugh. Like it's it's so funny. It's like this is not a real thing. This is this character. Well, I, I don't know about that. I, I think dude, you know. I, no. I, like I don't know. I mean, I've seen Saturday Night Fever as well. But like, come on. Like I don't know. <laughs> whatever uh, yeah but yeah he's like oh he's like you like were you looking at me and she's like i don't know like it sounds like you know like you know she's like did you want to buy something he's like yeah i want to buy something, like, buy something look where you. i bought this wardrobe yeah, yeah of course it's like i'm at the thrift store this is exactly this is where i get all my best clothes you know um <laughs> yeah even if it don't fit me you know like, like this, this is shirt this is where i got my hairdo from you guys had it on sale <laughs> Someone just comes. It's like I have this pompadour. It's like just donate it. It's fine. And he's like, I'll take it. You know, like it's just <laughs> like I won't even wash it. Uh, but but yeah, he's just coming out like to her, and he's just like like just being very aggressive towards her. And then she's like, oh, I gotta go to the back. Good call, right? Yeah. Good call. And that's when she sits down and like she takes a breather and she looks at the shoes, and you get this like this brief moment. And Helen Mirror plays it really well. Of just like you know, um, you know, I'm like I'm in a shit job. It's been it's already been a rough morning. Like these shoes are really nice. Like they're higher quality than what we normally get. I'm gonna try them on to see how they look for a second. And like I can I can relate to that. And this shot is really cool. Like there are a few things I want to point out in mm-hmm. this, but this is by by far one of the coolest things that happens in this episode. Because we take the point of view of like her sitting down and taking the shoes out of the box and slipping them on. But the, from that point on, when she slips those shoes on, it's from the ground level to her knee. Like area. we saw previous to the original tracking Correct. shot. Yeah. And there's more confidence in these steps. The moment the second shoe goes on, 
just the body language shifts. And again, Helen Mirren is MVP of this episode, right? Like she's so good, but yeah, like that, that you get that. And then we get that. She walks from out of the back room, but we see from the, the, the same shot and she encounters, you know, um, another tracking shot. We take it to the dude that's still creeping it out, out there, like waiting for her. He's like, Hey, where'd you go? Darling or whatever. I was waiting for you. I've been waiting all day for you, whatever. And she's like, Get out of here, creep! Or it's like buzz off or whatever, you know. Yeah. And then, and then as she's leaving, the the manager's like, "Well, where are you going?" And there's this brief pause, like you see the leg stop, and it's like, eh, and just like leaves. <laughs> it's like it's great. Yeah, I, I like that. But, but then, confidence yeah. with every step, smooth, uh, you know, just smooth steps, and it's like so. What we're conveyed uh, to to the audience now is that. Something happened when she put these step or put these shoes on. Like something has changed about her. There's a new confidence in mm-hmm. her now, and we don't know what's going on yet. Yeah. So then we get shot to a cab pulling up to a like a house, um, and she like the cab driver's like that'll be what um like eighteen dollars or whatever. And she's like, here, just take the purse. And like she doesn't want it. And he's like, I don't want your purse. I just want to get paid. You yeah. Know? He's he's about to chase her out of the car. He's like, hey 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 lady, yeah. uh, can you you know pay me my money? Like this, I mean, I can, I could do Apple pay or whatever. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, she just goes into this, uh, this mansion that we soon realize is the one that we saw earlier. Right. Um, so Inez answers the door, um, and she's confused by who she sees. Right. Cause we, we, for what we see, we see, uh, Maddie. Right. But Inez sees Maddie. Uh, but then the dog runs up to, to Maddie, like it knows her and she starts talking to the dog and she's excited to see the dog. And then she starts talking to Inez, like she knows her too. Um, and then she walks in with all his confidence and was like, I'm going to go up the stairs. I'm going to go, I'm going to go change into something a little better. She knows the layout yeah. of the house. She knows yeah. where she's going. Yeah. And you know, like the way she's talking to her, it's like, well, why wouldn't you know who the hell I am right now? It's like, I'm yeah. going to go take a bath right now. Well, she, but the other thing too, that's, it's, it's a, it's a little much, but it, it makes a lot of sense where when she talks to Ina, she directly references her relation, her troubled relationship and references a pay like bonus pay that was given to her. Um, you know, that she, she was not supposed to know about, but she does. And so the fact that she was able to call her, call out Inez with like direct information puts Inez like off. Cause it's like, how does she know this? Right. You know? So that's whenever, uh, Maddie's like, I'm going to go, uh, take this dress off. You burn it. I'm going to go take a bath or whatever. Right. So then, um, so then we get, um, you know, we get her, we get, um, what we believe is Maddie, and like a like a like a slip, yeah. Going to go, but it's like also like you're still wearing the shoes. Like, isn't I don't like that was yeah that was kind of a yeah. strange choice, but it it works. But the one thing I want to bring up is the music to this point. The music has like a sexiness to it. Like there's yeah. some saxophone. There, it's just it's it's so eighty layered. sexy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. I who like we have Greg Suffin. Yeah, is uh, a music uh, composer in it. Like. I love the choice for this music. I believe he went on to do Silk Stockings. I'm kidding. I have no idea. That's a a strong possibility. (laughs) I mean, like, the dude is... Also, uh, also did a lot of dog fighting, too. I don't know if you know. I just... (laughs) You know, like, I really was... uh, Well, he, he did Cheers. Oh, okay. Well, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're going to do TV, like, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, you once you get established and known, right? So, no, the music is effective here. And it's like, that hasn't always been um, a hallmark of this revival. 
You know, like we've, we, sometimes the music has worked pretty well. Sometimes it hasn't. This works for this for what it is. It's perfectly fine. Um, but then, yeah, whenever she, Maddie goes to take off the shoes again, uh, Helen Mirren's body language changes completely. It's, it's, um, amazing how it's like, um, uh, you know, uh, people re- recently, um, the, the, the Disney series moon Knight, how like Oscar Isaac was able to like shift like from, like from one, like person to another, like, and like almost in the same scene, it's amazing because it's all body language and facial structure. She does a really good job of becoming meek and scared again. And so when the nine S calls her out, like what's going on, she crumples in tears. Cause she has no idea what happened. She's like, what am I doing in this? Like, you know, really nice bathroom, like in this mansion in like my slip, you know? And it's like, it's, it's effective. It works. Yeah. It's, I mean, if like you turn off the lights on her and turn them back on, she's like, where the hell am I? Yeah. And Helen Mirren is Moon Knight. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so Inez is like, hey, I don't know who the hell you are, why you know the things you do, but you got to get the hell out of here. I'm about to call the cops. Take your take your dirty dress, take whatever, yeah. and get going. And so she's trying to make her way out. Well, she's like, like she, like, Inez even calls out those shoes. Like, where'd you get them? And then she's like, basically, like, I found them at the thrift store. I didn't steal them. And then when she puts the shoes back on, you know, she um, becomes Susan. You know, that's okay. who, it, that we we figure this out pretty quickly, right? So, and she goes back to ordering Inez about everything. And Inez is like, all right. And I then, thought yeah. I told you to burn this yeah. dress. So then there's the confusing bit because we cut away from that uh, to. Um, to we see uh susan all dressed up right but she took a bath with the shoes on question mark yeah <laughs> or it was like i want to believe it's just like she left one on and then you know whatever and then put that one in like just as long as you keep one shoe on right i think that keeps the connection going i don't know it should, well you know inez just did like a baptism thing and just yeah. dumped her in a- or she's just like you know you are the help it's time to like break out like the, the sponge bath or she just did here. shower to shower i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, just put bags on her feet. I have no idea. We don't know. It's the Twilight Zone. All things are possible, right? But anyway, yeah. she comes down like you know, dressed to the nines for eighties, right? With the, the the power shoulder pads, right? Right. Oh, oh those are great. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah, she could uh, be sex appeal. She could be like um like a linebacker, you know, whatever, a defensive end or whatever, just like you know. Anyway, yeah, sorry. she looks like the fridge now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Helen Mirren. That's her next Oscar role. She's going to be William uh, Refrigerator Perry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so she's ready, right? She's like, and you see her look at the mirror and we realize that the, the um, reflection she sees is of herself, but not of Helen Mirren's Maddie. It's of Susan. And it's like, well, how did you do your hair though? Too, I know that. <laughs> like there's little bits in here it's like well that they, doesn't they quantum really... leap it is what they yeah. do like they, they pull a quantum leap essentially yeah yeah whatever but then that's whenever we get um we get uh what's his name at work uh kyle, kyle. At work and that's whenever um you know uh the, the bajoran says hey you should take this phone call and he's like what do you mean it's like it says it's your wife and she says it's your wife she's like my wife's dead she's like yeah you should take it because um I didn't recognize her. And she started asking me about like my boyfriend and things. So it's like, it sounded like she knew me and that's kind of upsetting. Like basically she's like, she pulls the same trick again of like, mm. I know who you are and I'm going to let you know, I know who you are. Let me talk to my husband. And we get a pretty good sequence there of him, like kind of in disbelief, but also like 
he has to be apprehensive because, you know, you know, spoiler, we already know that he did something to his wife. There is no doubt about it. Right. Like, and, and he's like, but my wife's dead. It's like, silly, I'm here. And I, you know, and I'm making you a Manhattan. It's your favorite drink. You should <laughs> like this whole thing. It's like, you should come home right now. Like it's, it's a good sequence between like the you, two of them. You have some splaining to do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kyle's got something that, uh, that his wife might know a little bit more about (laughs) or this lady at at this point so and i I really think this is a really interesting sequence because i didn't know it was going to go this way but fair enough and um so so we get kyle and he walks in the door of his own home and he's like who the hell is this chick well like and he starts having a conversation with her and she's she's laying it all out like you know I know, I know some of your deep dark secrets. When yeah. I was there too, you know. Well, even before that, at one point, she says something to him, and he goes and grabs her and just shakes her abruptly. Which, in light of what I know, like about Jeff Tabor, I'm like, oh god, that they didn't take much, did it? Uh, but she's like, that's the Stanley I love, or Stanley Kyle, whatever his name's Style. Kyle. Kyle. Why do I hate Stanley anyway? What? No, is that wait? What's his name? His name is. Not Stanley. Uh, not Stanley. Um, <laughs> it is Kyle. Jeffrey. It's Kyle. Why it's Stanley? I don't know. Anyway, where did that come from? Anyway, that's the that's the Kyle I love. The and then Freudian. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Whoever Stanley is, he has a lot. He has a lot to explain for. Anyway, um, like uh, so, she's like, "That's the Kyle I love." And then he just hauls back and slaps her. And then she hits the couch. She's like, "That's the Kyle I know." You know, and it's like she's like, you know calling about for everything and then but yeah she eventually is like yeah i know what happened i you know like and and then he starts to kind of like be like well what did you see because he yeah. thinks he thinks he's being blackmailed by for there's, CM. there's quite a bit of dialogue here i mean this is what is it a 25 minute run i believe somehow the rest of my notes say stanley for the here on down i don't know where but like two notes above is kyle so i have no idea where it switched on me in my notes that he became stanley <laughs> <laughs> I don't I have no explanation for what happened anyway uh, the artist formerly known as Stanley but, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the boxer formerly known as Stanley I it's, it, so yeah it's, it's there's a lot of dialogue and between the two of them but really what it boils down to is he's finally figuring out that this lady whoever she is she must have been there to witness the possible crime that he committed. Yeah. Cause as it goes, supposedly a month previously, they were at a party and then she got up and was dancing on a, a concrete, like, um, ledge or whatever, ledge or something. And then she fell to her death and she's like, you pushed me. And he's like, who, like, he's like, who, who, who were you? What, how'd you see this? Yeah. And, and he starts like laughing maniacally, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, and yeah. he's like, but, where were you? Yeah. Tell me where. Now, how it's starting to seem like, because he seems like he's got his shit together. He's like some kind of like big shot. Maybe he's uh, well, he's know. a lawyer and he's a, you know, clearly he has a lot of money and he has like a lot of high, uh, like really privileged clientele. So he's thinking later. maybe that this chick is trying to black fit, blackmail him. It's like, yeah. Like so there's like, an angle, right? What, what's yeah. yeah? What's your aim here? Who are you really? And what do you think you saw? And also, we mentioned up in the like up in the upstairs because there's a it's a really big open floor plan for this place. It's pretty like for being like 80s. It's really pretty and like I like the inside of this place. And it's great for great money shots and like and like where you can take it and what might well, happen. There was a nice like over like over a camera sweep down through mm-hmm. from the upstairs to the downstairs. Like there's this very much like this um, bird's eye view that you get of some of the like down because like, you don't always get that with these like the high ceilings 
were used to a pretty good effect because it puts us as an observer as well. But you know, Inez is watching all of this and you know, you could tell that she's putting the pieces together too. Um, but yeah, so we get, we get, uh, Susan basically being like, yeah, I, you know, when you pushed me, she's like, I thought I'd fall forever. And I don't, you know, it's like, she has this whole big thing about that. And then, um, eventually she kisses him and that, like, you could tell for a second, he's like, oh yeah, this is my wife. And then it's like, it's like, he's also shook because it's like, oh shit, this is my wife or something's going on. Yeah. The yeah. kiss really sets into stone. Like this is because I mean. You know, if my wife kisses me, I know how she kisses me. So it's like that moment of clarity of like, it's true. And the way Terry and I kiss are completely different. So he wouldn't, he knows it's me, you know, versus (laughs) (laughs) you don't know how I like it. Um, I I do. I just, I just, you know, like just, I haven't known you. I've known you long enough, Terry. Uh, You know, I, I had secret objections in my heart the day of your wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Should have been me. Damn it. I was already married, but I'm like, you know, whatever anyway we can move to utah but anyway so <laughs> um so yeah like what happens at that point like she ends up like basically being like oh by the way you know by the way it's judgment day um and she pulls a gun out right <laughs> and, and like because no he reaches for his gun because he knows where it's supposed yeah, to that's, be yeah that's right and that's she's right like, ha, ha, uh, i got it because i know where you keep your shit and this and she has a gun and then the moment she starts taking fire uh kyle just runs away and i like I don't think it was meant to be funny. It was really funny the way he just like bolts and is gone. Yeah, he. I, I was just waiting to hear the the uh, the, like the Benny Hill music. Yeah, the burn. <laughs> yeah, I, because and the I was gun- expecting to see a like um, a shadow, not a shadow, but like a puff of smoke shaped like him that just shrugs and then disappears because he's already gone. You know, <laughs> like wily like, coyote like, shit. Gone. <laughs> That's how he books it, right? And she's, yeah, he's yeah, he's out the door and she's taking wild shots and but like. She doesn't seem to know how to wield a gun all that well. No. Uh, he was close. He was close enough that you could have yeah. nailed you him. You also didn't have to, like, you know, after you've already dropped, like, all the knowledge on him, you could have probably just got him real quick, you know, if you're if you're this intent, right? But anyway. Yeah. So he runs away, runs across the street, and goes and jumps a gate, like the fence, right? <laughs> and gets out. And then, so, this is actually kind of smart, too, in a kind of, like, a funny way that she's trying to chase him, but she can't keep up because she's wearing heels, so she's like, ah, screw this. And she takes the shoes off, breaks Damn the shoes. Yeah. And then, um, so, so that breaks the spell. Maddie becomes Maddie again. And we get a, another wonderful shift with Helen Mirren of like stopping and like looking down at this dress and looking at the gun in her hand and be like, ah, and like takes the gun and just throws it. And then she sees the shoes and puts them in the garbage. And you can tell she's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to leave right now. And we can, we were also starting to hear the police. police coming in the yeah, town. Because Inez called the police. Right. So, so we get that. And, but we also get this made. Well, not yet. Uh, not so, yet. uh, oh. after, so we get the whole thing with the cops showing up. Oh talking, yeah. 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 Talking yeah. to Kyle. And they're like, why are you, why'd you it's call so your- fast paced during some of these yeah. moments? And he's like, why'd you call yourself Stanley? He's like, I have no idea why. No. Uh, so the cops are like trying to talk to him. The big thing is that he's kind of get, he wants to dismiss them because he didn't call them because Inez did because mm. he doesn't want any more eyes on him because he knows he killed his wife. Right. And the cops kind of sniffing around a little bit and you could tie they're, they're trying to figure out something, but he's also like, Hey, you know, like don't, don't make this a big thing. I'll hire security. You know, um, I have a lot of high, like, you know, like a lot of really expensive clientele. If they, if they if, like, if they can't trust me to take care of them, like basically he's like, just keep it on the down low, keep an eye out, but don't make it a big deal. And, and, and that cop that the cop that's there, he's like, all right, you know, just for that sense of privacy and that and keeping the two 
to this as a bare minimum. I will do that for you. I will call you directly. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wait, what do you mean money by silence? Weird how that happens. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway, so so they leave. And that's whenever Inez comes back and uh, he and he and Kyle's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go to the beach house and shut this one down. Uh, and, you know, I don't I don't want your services. And, you know, you get a month's severance. Take the dog with you. And then Inez is like, yeah, I was going to quit anyway. Also, do you believe in ghosts? And she, he's like, get out. You know, and it's like. For a moment, for a moment, I was like, she, I was hoping she put two and two together and put the shoes on to be like, you know what? I don't, may not have the willpower to take this guy out, but I know who does. And then she could just take the shoes off and like go about Like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, I was really hoping that that'd be the trap that she watched all of this the entire time. And that like Susan was available to be like, oh, now that they're gone, guess what? Boop. We're done now. Cause she was pretty stone faced too. Yeah. Cause I'm like. We haven't seen her feet yet. Does she have the I know, shoes that on? Been, that would have been. I think that would have been way better. But the ending we get still pretty good. It's yeah. It's it's it, fun. it's actually closer in line with the original story, the original episode. I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, that's when we find the one maid that's coming out. That's near that the near the garbage bin where the can where the shoes were thrown away. And she looks at them. She's like, "Oh, free garbage shoes." Like I don't know. I you know just my my first thought is if something's in the trash. There's probably a reason. Hey, like a, a cat urinated on. Yeah, it's one of those things like <laughs> you see like every so often you're like, oh, someone put it. They threw out a perfectly good couch. There's probably a dead person in that. You know, like I don't know or whatever, right? <laughs> like at the fold away or, or, or just like you're just like, wait, wait, did you every fart ever's in here? Oh, okay, I know it's not here. Right? So, <laughs> so, but no, she puts them on, and then the moment she puts them on, her body language changes too. And then because it's Susan now possessing this other person, she's like, oh yeah, I know there was a gun nearby, and she picks it up, and it's like, okay, here we go. Terminator style, right back to that house. Right back up to the yeah. house, starts walking in. Then we get this uh, pan out shot, and, and we, it's a crane shot. It looks great. It's a cool shot, but we also get the the Charles Edman outro. That's not great, but it's, they, it's they, not. But it's it's okay enough, right? And then the moment that's over, we hear a single gunshot, and that's the end of the segment. So that's a good ending, where it's like, oh, you thought you could outrun this no pun intended because of shoes and it's coming right back for you. You know, it's like, cause he never put it together as much as he knew something was wrong. He didn't question another woman walking into the house that, you know, had purpose. Like, I don't know how that, but I'm glad we didn't see that showdown, yeah. but yeah, Susan got her revenge. It well, in here, here's my thing. The, the kind of the question I have about this and how the transferring of that spirit works and what that spirit knows and how, it, how it works she took off the shoes while she was trying to chase down her husband. So does she not know how the shoes work or does she know? I, th- I how think it's the one shoes, of those things that because and she doesn't care about the people that are left in that wake. I, I don't think so. I think it's more like it's, it's, it's almost the opposite of like, um, like the quantum leap thing. Like we talked about, like the moon Knight thing of like the moment she gets the shoes back on, like, you know, um, she doesn't know what happened between now and then it's except, but she knows, she knows he ran away maybe in her mind. And this isn't said explicitly like, well, I'm going to wait for him. He's going to come back, you know? And maybe that's what that is. It's, it's, it's loosey goosey. I agree with you completely. Yeah. It's like, this uh, is the respawn. Like I'm going to yeah, go back. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I think that she knows that she's dead and that whatever's going on, gives her like the opportunity to do something. What I think is way worse. And this is not even said in this episode is one, what if they do find Maddie? Cause she matched the description. Uh, and now that there's a dead body, like 
did she come back to finish the job? Like the cops are like, who are the cops going to believe a, a dead rich guy or a woman that doesn't have a good alibi that works at a thrift store. That's like, you know, that walked out under weird circumstances. Right. right. So that gets weird. And then further on, um, what if like, that's not even the case, but like the new person that came in, um, she's just a maid working and doesn't, she's like, Oh, I saw free shoes. And then like, like what if the shoes come off and she's now in another person's home with a smoking gun and a dead person? It's like, there is so much carnage being left in the, like in the wake of this. And that's why I'm, I'm concerned about, uh, uh, Mr. Montgomery's wife. It's like, what is like, do you understand what the, the, like this, the possible outcome is going to be for these other two people? Honestly, I don't think she cares because she's already dead. Cause she's looking for all she's looking for is vengeance. It's like, I understand that, but it's like, but now two people's lives are affected by that. Yeah, I mean, I that I don't think she has a moral sense of responsibility because her essence has been put into a pair of pumps. You know, I think <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Fair you enough. know, like if you're pissed and like you're going to come back, it's like I don't think you care about as long as you get the one that you want to go after, I don't think you care about the cost to others. You know, right. like like what, you know, whatever it takes type of thing, right? So and again, th- this isn't specifically said in this, but us being more like, I'm not saying there weren't sophisticated viewers back then, but I don't know if they asked those questions. Like, like, you know, like, um, it's like, this is the grudge, but in a pair of shoes, <laughs> you know, like not a house, you know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's what it's, um, it's, what was that Jeff Fahey movie, uh, body parts or spare parts, or whatever. Like he ended up getting like the, was it the, the hand transplant from, uh, the, um, the guy that was on death row. And then the guy like somehow, he's able to still repossess his body parts and he's committing murders, even though, you know, like I did not see that, but that is a very similar storyline in a lot of different things. So whatever, uh, you know, it's just, there's, there's some good ideas in here, uh, in the original, um, episode, uh, the, this mobster guy, you know, kills somebody, they dump his body. Uh, he has being, being a black and white show, they had to make a really kind of really, um, like, very standout pair of shoes. They're very cool looking, but they're very like you had to make like them stand suit, out. suit kind yeah, of they're like, like style. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So what happens is a, like a bum finds them. It's like, Oh, free shoes or whatever. Right. And then, um, the moment he puts them on, it's like you, he just becomes like this, like, it's like, it's like a magnet and he goes, he goes back to, um, where, you know, the mob boss is. And because again, he has the knowledge of what this guy did and the knowledge of the operation around. He's like, you know, um, first he goes, uh, to go back to get his own old suit. Cause his girlfriend, um, she, you know, it's, it's a very toxic relationship, you know, a mobster girlfriend, whatever, like, you know, you know, fill in the details there. He goes to take a shower, takes the shoes off and becomes the guy again. But something happens where it's like, get out of here, put the shoes back on. And then at that point, that guy realizes like this, I got to keep these on type of thing. But he also knows that the mobster doesn't know who he really is. So he kind of comes in and is like watching him and kind of goading him and to talk to him about stuff like out loud. And eventually the mobster figures out like, oh, this guy's up to no good. He knows something's up, uh, brings him in, tricks him into getting killed. And then they dump his body again. And then somebody else finds the shoes. And it's like, there, it's implied that as long as these shoes exist, this guy's coming from the mob boss, which is kind of, which is kind of cool in its own way of like, you know, like it's, it's, it's almost like it follows. It's like, yeah. Oh shit. 
these should, like as long as these shoes are still around, I have to keep watching my back because I have no idea when he's going to come back for me. You know, so they're it's very similar through lines. You know, right. like the, these aren't that far apart. It's just I like that because um, it gets really kind of silly, complicated in that episode where there's a, there's um a false uh um uh bookshelf with a gun and all. It's so ridiculous. It's so silly, but kind of great. Uh, it's very much of its time. And with this though, the idea of like um you know the the powerful man that thinks he got away with the perfect murder and it's still coming back to haunt him, you know, like it's like the, the, the same through line works. And I think this is an affected enough update for what it is. Like, you know, is it perfect? No, but like it didn't, it didn't betray the spirit of the original and it went in a little different direction. And when you roll, re- like when you change the gender, it, it that's a, also an interesting dynamic. And it pays off too with the whole, like, I can't run fast. So I'm going to take these shoes off and screw up my objective. So that's kind of fun. And also just credit to Helen Mirren. She was so good in this. So good. Yeah, I yeah. really, really enjoyed her in this. I, I actually saw, I thought this was a, th- a solid episode. Yeah. Um, the storyline was very uh, captivating. I was really interested in seeing where it went. And- in, in a weird way, I even feel like if you did this, if you took this script and put it back in the original series, it would fit right in there too. Yeah, def- you know? like, definitely. Because uh, you don't have to change anything. Because everything's there still, right? So not that everything has to fit in the box of the original series. However, if you're going to go and do a Beaumont story that was, you know, that was um, greenlit, right, uh, under everything. And then also, I don't know, it just, it, it just feels kind of like Kismet, especially since you and I are recording on, on the anniversary of Sterling's passing, that we have the opportunity to talk about something that that feels like it's done in the right spirit of what what the show is. Yeah, know, I agree so. with that. And, and like that, you know... As much as it not might not be Balmont's uh, original story or like what he <laughs> really it, contributed to it, but it's like him talking to Buck Houghton, like, hey, you know, well, there's a hat, you put it on, and you become a different person. He's like, okay, write it up. He's like, okay, got it. Like that's it. Like I just want to believe. Like ah, you know, hey Buck, you trust me, right? I don't know. What about a hat? Makes you do different things. All right, great. Write it. Write it up. Like, <laughs> there's just there's elements that get get it so close. Yeah. Like and even again the music, I really enjoyed the music yeah. and even. Like when we're having the chase scene of uh, the, you know, Kyle being chased down by his ghost wife, uh, you know, proxy, uh, the, the, it's still similar music, but it's like up, it's like faster tempo mm-hmm. and, and it's like more, uh, I don't know, like, uh, you know, it, it has like this element of like infused fear too. Yeah, no, that's because he's being chased. You're right. That, that, it does work. Thank you for putting out the music. I had not considered that, but yeah. Cause I, it's hard sometimes in this time frame of production of television and syndication, there's like a lot of like stock that's not great. And so when something does kind of work, and we found I, that out pretty quick. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but like even like tales from the, the dark side and everything we've got into, like some of that doesn't really, it is what it is. Right. right? Yeah. But no, like this is, this is all, it's a really good segment and yeah, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we get this because it still shows that like, I mean, not that we have like, we got plenty of Twilight Zone left to go, but it's like, you know, there's sometimes where it's like, oh yeah, we can still do this and this still works. And it's a nice revisit. It's just a different, it's a slightly different take on what we had before, which isn't a bad thing. Serling was always, it's you could the tell, multiverse of Twilight yeah, Zone. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see, I want to see an episode of the crossover where those old shoes and the new shoes, they team up, right? Like, um, actually, oh, this episode's going long, but I'm going to tell you that my one friend always joked about how he wanted to do a movie 
and just bear with me here. It's amazing about a guy that's uh, like a death row and he dies and all his clothes get thrown into a dumpster, but somebody ends up grabbing um, his shoes or like it's his boots. Right. And it turns out like, um, like one of them, one of them was okay or whatever. Right. And, and, and there's people that put this guy on death row and even though he probably deserved it, he, you know, whatever's going out there is going to go after these people. And it turns out the only thing that's left of everything that he had left behind was one boot and this boot would chase them down and kill them. And it was called the boot of all evil. That was his idea for a movie. <laughs> and nice in, play of words. In my, in my mind, my two favorite ideas I came up with that was one, if someone's just walking down the street and you hear thump, thump, and you turn around and you see a boot and you're like, well, whatever. And then you hear thump. Cause it's like not two steps, just one step at a time. Then also I wanted a big finale where people are running and hiding in this, like this darkened store and they think they're safe and they turn on the lights and it's a shoe store. And I want to like, I want to do the ET pan where you see all the shoes, but then there's the boot. And then there's like, <laughs> like I wanted that to happen. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to fund uh, the movie idea that my friend came up with called the boot of all evil, let me know. We'll make it happen. <laughs> well, you are a creator you know? of some short stories. Sure. And, uh, yeah. So Cause we, I, I like, I was like, you know, some souls are just evil. That was going to be my tagline. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they made rubber. Remember rubber? I know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sure. Why not, right? If you had just one tire, why not one boot? So anyway, um, let's, let's see. Yeah, before we talk about what's going on next, we should uh, we should rate that twist. Uh, twist rating, uh, as usual, um, as, as, as if we're changing it now. We're going to suddenly go to a six. No, uh, uh, it doesn't, doesn't affect how we feel about the episode, but we're going to go with the twist. One meaning we saw from a mile away up to, you know, up to four. Um, five, we go to five, right? We go to five, not six, five, um, being mind blowing. Um, since, since I'd already seen the original episode and I knew this remake existed cause we talked about it briefly back when we covered this, I already knew what the game was. So for me, um, like the twist, you know, I already knew coming that doesn't ruin the episode for me. So I'm going to give it a two just because I like that. It went in a little different direction than the original story. All right. Yeah. So, uh, to build off of that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I have not been able to see this episode and you mean, well, the, the, original, the original, the original yeah. episode, uh, I was going to try to catch up on it prior to this discussion. Unfortunately, I did not make it, but that's not where we're talking about. We're talking about this episode. So I'm going with the three, the, the, the name of the episode gives me an idea that there is going to be some kind of weird twist with a ghost or something like that, but I did not see it going this direction. Okay, I think that's completely fair, and I think that's also speaks to, you know, anybody who was watching this on like on a, was it a Friday night that may not be familiar with the original, like then you're in for you know like oh cool this is neat you know like for what it is you know like it doesn't overstay its welcome because logic starts becoming a problem right right we've talked about that before where some stories work really better if they're shorter because if you start asking questions it just falls apart. And this works for what it is, right? Like it almost feels like this could have been an episode of Friday Thirteenth, the series, where they sold a pair of cursed shoes, you know, like right, right, you know. But what? I, no, it's it still works. It's fun, and um, all the acting's really good in it. Um, Tambor's really good for, for what he is, and uh, but Helen Mirren is the star of the show, and I'm glad that we got to see her in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be straight with you, man. This is probably, if not my favorite, one of my favorites so far from the, uh, okay. the things that we've discussed from this 85 rendition. Yeah, it's this one and If She Dies. That's the two. <laughs> and then Act Break. Those are the ones that you like the Yuck. best. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, but yeah, that's uh, th- th- that'll do it for our discussion about uh, Dead Woman Shoes. Before we talk about what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. You can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Um, I did forget to mention, I think last week, uh, that I'd recently been, I posted on the social media page, but I'd been recently on the Talk Without Rhythm podcast uh, with a, a friend of the show, the, the El Goro, to talk about two Alfred Hitchcock movies. We talked about Rear Window and To Catch a Thief. Um, and I broke out a bottle of brandy. Things got silly. Go it was over a lot of fun, dude. It was oh, a lot of fun. Oh, please, please listen to oh. it. I'm sorry that you spent half a work day, Terry. Because <laughs> oh. it's three and a half hours. My God. But yeah, you could tell that the brandy kicked in. It was uh, definitely worth soon. the listen, man. Like, <laughs> and honestly, El Goro and his show is just terrific oh, to watch. Him. Yeah, it's amazing. Or listen yeah, to yeah, it yeah, anyway. Just, it's amazing. He does a magnificent job. And then I came in being the agent of chaos as usual, <laughs> just to wreck house. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's he he does a great job over there. Please check out his podcast, oh, yeah. and uh, that's a really fun episode. But he goes all over the place. It's not centric to one type of genre. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah, he's it's all everything. Like he'll he'll give everything a shot. And I love I love the diversity and depth. Right, and then I also appreciate that he lets me come in to become a bull in a china shop and just become uh, an idiot. So so yeah, go check that out as well. And Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Instagram. Go on Instagram. Check us out. See what see what's going on over there. See yeah. what's popping. As the kids say, did I still say that? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, you know, we're having fun over there. Um, and like Paul says, please go to like something like Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a five star rating. If you don't feel like we deserve a five star rating, four stars then is okay. Four stars is cool too. You know, <laughs> be like I hate this show, but four nothing stars. less than that. No, but, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, I hope you guys are having fun with these this the eight, the '80s version because I mean there's some really good episodes so far. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, let's just get into. Actually, you know what? Before I talk about what we're doing next, if you want to hear more Terry, uh, he's going to be uh, guesting on the other show that I do, Invasion the Podcast, which we'll be recording this week. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking our year of Carpenter and getting into the film uh, Christine. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to have him on and my echo, Steve, it's going to be a good time. Dude, I totally am looking forward to it. I love Christine. John Carpenter is one of my favorite, uh, creators of all time. I mean, he, uh, everything he does, it just turns into magic for me. So it's love his music, love the movies. Please check it out. Invasion of the podcast. They do a great job. Yeah, it's going to be releasing the same day that we'll do this one. So yeah, go check that out. I, I mean, not that we've recorded it yet, but I'm going to guess it's going to be, uh, Fun. I'm like, here's, here's me hoping <laughs> fun, ridiculous. Uh, and, um, filled and, with knowledge, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cause Terry and Steve are going to be there. So we'll see. <laughs> like, we're going to, we're going to have a super serious, a shit conversation about a haunted car that kills kids, teenagers. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to get to it. So uh, all it's going to kill all those shitters out there. So we're going to talk about that when we get there. Uh, but for the next episode of the twilight zone, let's just get into that. And now, Mr. Serling. So next episode is going to be season one, episode nine, segment B, Wong's Lost and Found Emporium. Um, I, I don't know what this is, uh, but I know it's that, that since this is only a two segment show, this one's going to be like, you know, another 24 minute one. So it'll give us time to kind of dig in. Looking forward to it. Like um, the name alone doesn't tell me much. So, yeah, we're going in blindly. So I hope you are as well. So it would just be wonderful if there's a pair of shoes in the background in the symporium that, you know, wouldn't it be great. It's just like that or like a lamp that just sends you to, you know, the DMV or whatever. We oh, dealt God. With. Yeah. 
<laughs> the worst location ever. Or like, you know, there's just a fish hook that we see, like a, like a guy with a, a fish knife, a fish knife and a fish head. All I'd love it if it was like everything in the background from the previous segments that's just for sale. It's like, like needful yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, it'd be wonderful. So yeah, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, my recommendation is if you find shoes in the trash, probably don't pick them up because one, they could be haunted, but two, they probably smell real bad. And you'll probably smell bad as well. witch of the east maybe you'd better drop a house on me next time perhaps it will be more permanent <laughs>